0: Well, if you have your Bible today, I want you to turn to Judges chapter 16. If you have the Bible app, uh, you can find us on the Bible app. We have a live event. Uh, You can find us that way, or you can go to calvary.online, click today's message. It'll come right up on your phone. All the notes will be there. Um, Today, I want to share a message uh, titled, One More Time one more time um i uh, as a father of five i i have tried to figure out all of the parenting tools necessary to raise your children so that they are world changers and there is one thing that i have consistently done Uh, with all of my children and actually after 16 years of youth ministry you spend a little bit of time around a lot of kids. Uh, I tried this with a few of your kids too and that is this. I learned that kids are better people when you throw them. (laughs) Any dads in the house throw your kids? Any dads? Come on. Come on. Oh I love all the fellow abusers here. Yes. All right. (laughs) You know, and so when our kids just barely got big enough, barely, I mean, I mean, when they're babies, you're just like throwing them up in the air and they hold their breath and they come down and when they can start to talk, if they enjoy it. Now, some of my kids learned, you know, very quickly that I'm about to throw them and then the only thing that would go up would be their feet because they grab my shoulders and hang on, you know, and I, you know, I catch them. That was always fun. Uh, One time when I was in Swaziland, uh, Africa, we were there ministering. Matter of fact, for years, a picture of me throwing one of the kids from Bulimbu, Swaziland, Africa, is this little young man. I mean, it was it was beautiful. He comes up, and I just grab him, and I wasn't thinking. I was not thinking first that in Swaziland, I am a giant. And as soon as I pick him up off of the ground, he is, he is way far above any place he's ever been in his life. But then I took him and I threw him in the air and he was like, ah! and he, he began to say this over and over again, one more time, one more time, one more time. And here I am doing it. And now I have a sea of African children coming around me. Me, me, me. You know, um, um, my hope is, is by the end of this service that you'll be going to your heavenly father with arms extended saying to him, Daddy, one more time. And you'll understand this at the very, very end of this time. Today, I'm delivering a timely message. I believe you're here today on this day to hear this message that I've been holding on to for weeks and weeks. I don't know why the Lord wouldn't allow me to share this message earlier other than you're here and he wants you to know how much he loves you, how much he's for you, even though perhaps you find yourself in a very painful moment. Today we're gonna look into the story of a man who experienced a very painful moment. His name is Samson. He lived in the time of the judges after God brings the children of Israel out of Egypt with Moses. They cross over into the promised land with Joshua. Uh, Israel would enter into a time where God would raise up judges, both men and women, by the way, men and women who would lead God's people in deliverance from their enemies. You say, God was using men. Yes, Deborah was a judge in the book of Judges and she led a mighty deliverance. So God would raise up these judges who would literally defend the people of God from the onslaught of the enemy. And so many of these stories at first glance seem brutal, but actually they are a response to the aggression of the enemy. And I want to I believe I'm giving you this message today in response to the aggressive nature that uh, uh, of which the enemy has been coming against your life. God today is going to do a work In every person here, I believe, as we open his word together. Let's look at Judges 16, starting in verse 19 through 30. It says this, Then she, this is Delilah, Samson's wife, lulled him to sleep on her knees. And she called for a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head, and she began to torment him, and his strength left him. And she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as before at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. Then the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza. They bound him with bronze fetters and he became a grinder in the prison. However, the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaven. Now the lords of the Philistines gathered together to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their God, and to rejoice. And they said, our God has delivered into our hands Samson, our enemy. When the people saw him, they praised their God. They said, our God has delivered into our hands our enemy, the destroyer of our land, and the one who has multiplied our dead. So it happened when their hearts were merry that they said, call for Samson that he may perform for us. So they called Samson from the prison, and he performed for them, and they, they, they stationed him between the pillars. And Samson said to the lad who held him by the hand, let me fill the pil- pillars which support the temple so that I can lean on them. Now the temple was full of men and women, and all the lords of the Philistines were there, about 3,000 men and women on the roof. They were watching while Samson performed. Then Samson called to the Lord saying, O Lord God, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray. Just this once, O God, that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson Took a hold of two middle pillars which supported the temple. He braced himself against them, one on his right and the other on his left. Then Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he pushed with all his might, and the temple fell on the lords and all the people who were in it. So the dead that he killed at his death were more than he had killed in his life. I need to give you a little bit of a backstory to Samson. Samson. Is a Nazarite. At first glance, some of these verses may you may not understand their significance, but you'll understand it when you understand the calling that rested on Samson to be a Nazarite. Now, a Nazarite. That word Nazarite comes from the, the Hebrew word Nazir. Nazir means to consecrate oneself to God. Now, consecration is not just avoiding sin, okay? That's not consecration. Consecration is saying, I'm not just gonna avoid sin. I am gonna give myself freely to worship God. I'm consecrating. I'm giving myself fully to God. And he was one of three lifelong Nazarites, In the book of Numbers, you can look at what a Nazarite vow is. A Nazarite vow has a beginning and the end. Anyone could take a Nazarite vow. But within the scriptures, there are three revealed. There may have been more, but there were three revealed that were lifelong Nazarites. The first is Samson. The second is Samuel, who would become a, a, a prophet and a voice. He would anoint Saul. He is the, the prophet that would anoint David, the heir of of Christ coming into the earth. And then right before... Uh, Christ walks on the earth another Nazarite arrives his name John the Baptist. they were all Nazarites from birth. you say, well what does it mean to be a Nazarite what would you what 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 marks a Nazarite? Well first it's someone who freely chooses to be dedicated to God if you were of the tribe of Levi. You would be dedicated to the service of the Lord because of the family that you were born into that particular tribe that particular family had a very specific job to do, and they were to minister to the lord they were they would uh, they, they had everything to do with with tabernacle worship and the presence of god okay so they had they had everything to do with that however when someone took a Nazarite vow, what they were saying is, I want to be as close to God as ones who are called by God and born into this family of ministers. So a Nazarite was saying, I want to be a priest to the Lord of my own choosing, of my own choosing, uh, freely. And so they they would for a time Give themselves fully to God. Now, there were were several things that marked this vow. First, they would abstain from wine and grapes. This was one of the things. No alcohol. So lifelong Nazarites, no alcohol their whole life. So they abstained from that. Even raisins. None of it. It's part of being separated unto God. They would also avoid dead things. So if someone even took a temporary Nazarite vow and some beloved family member passed away, they wouldn't even be a part of the funeral because they were to totally avoid dead things. Then lastly they were to continually grow their hair. For these that were lifelong Nazarites, they were ones that a razor was to never touch their head, which is why it's significant that Samson, in this story where we began in Judges 16, has suddenly revealed to his second wife, by the way, he did not do relationships very well. His first wife was so bad, he gave her to his best man in his wedding. Okay. I don't know if I, I, that's got to be something in Jewish tradition, but I'm just going to say if I was Jewish and some guy came to me and said, I want you to be best man, I would take a quick peek at the fiance. I'd be like, no, dog, you, you lost your mind. That's on you. You find somebody else. (laughs) He gives her away. It's not good. Then he finds Delilah. Who what? If you read the whole story, I, I really encourage you to read both chapters, Judges 15 and 16. Who sells her covenant relationship for silver. that should remind you of a story in the New Testament of someone who had a covenant relationship with Jesus who sold that relationship for silver. His name was Judas. Now, this is totally free. It's not even in the message today. But I want to tell you today, you need to choose carefully those you give influence in your life. You need to choose very carefully those that you welcome to influence you in your life. Here we have an example of someone who is given fully to God, but because he had these moments where he chose poorly in the area of relationships, it costs him dearly. Now, Samson's story, as you follow it, now that you know what a Nazarite is, if you were to follow Samson's life, here's what you find Samson broke every single one of the vows that are connected to the Nazarite vow. Matter of fact, uh, many times you might have you heard a, a message on Samson, you know, and how there was a day when, when he, was, he was bound and he, he broke. The, the, the cords that were on his wrist, he reaches down, and man, we could preach this, right? He reaches down, and just with the jawbone of a donkey. Come on, help me, somebody. Come on. Just with the jawbone of a donkey, he just picks up a bone, and he kills a thousand Philistines. Here's what you don't know. Most people are shouting, yeah, there's victory with small things, except in that moment, he broke his vow to God. breaking his vow why because he was touching dead things and he was trying to bring victory in his life for his people his way You find him in another time where he is trying to really come against the, the Philistines. He ties foxes together, sets their fields on fire, and the wheat is burning down. And it's, and, but what you do find out a little bit as you read it carefully, not only was he in a wheat field, where else do you find Samson? In a vineyard. Uh-oh. I thought he was supposed to stay away from that. Here he is, warring in a place God hasn't called him to. And then, lastly, his hair is never supposed to be cut, and that's where we come into this story. Samson, Samson, rather, broke every aspect of his promise to God. Now, I'm not going to look at you when I ask, because I'll be the first one to respond. Anybody in here... Ever been like Samson and broke every promise you ever made to God? Oh, that's me, Pastor. That's me. I'm the only one in church today. (laughs) Being honest, God, I'm the only one. So if you gave this message just for me, at least there'll be one free guy at 945 today. I'm here to tell you. If you don't identify with someone who is called by God, who breaks every promise that that you've ever made, you're not reading the Bible right. Or you're not letting the Bible read you. And I couldn't help but think here in this moment where he's finally broken every promise, I thought, Lord, this is a bizarre moment. This is the moment when the Philistines had an opportunity to totally take Samson out. But I noticed something. And everything in the Old Testament is given to us for an example. I noticed the Philistines did not come in. And kill Samson when they could have. What did the enemy come after in a moment of failure? His eyes. They came after his vision. The enemy came after his vision. Judges 16, 21 says, Then the Philistines took him and put out his eyes, brought him down to Gaza. They bound him with bronze, bronze fetters, and he became a grinder in the prison. You see, when we fall and sin, immediately the enemy comes to wound our vision. I don't know if you're like me, but man, when I got born again, when I gave my life to Christ, I man, I thought, man, this is going to be amazing. This is, man, the tale has not been told of what I'm going to do for God. But then one after the other, when promises were broken, when things come into my life, when I failed, when I tripped, when when I had fallen, all of a sudden the enemy comes and he isn't trying to end my relationship with God. He's simply trying to rob me of a vision of how God could work through my life and I want to tell you today that that is what the enemy has been after in your life if you say you know what I gave my life to Christ but you don't know my story listen if you're if you have not given away a fiance to your former best friend you're doing better than Samson. I don't know this is Citrus County somebody might have done that in here God bless y'all. I moved here. I ain't from here. All right. I just, I just report what I see. All right. Here's what you need to see. The enemy is coming to try to wound vision in your life. He's trying to steal vision. Satan cannot steal your relationship with God. You know you could give that away. You can give it away. Satan can't take it. But what he can take is your effectiveness. That's what he can take from you, your effectiveness. You see, in Proverbs chapter 29, there is a a verse, especially in the King James Version, that that could really help us in a moment like this, where possibly you're, you're the walking wounded it says this: Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Where there is no vision, the people perish. You see uh, that that um, that is referring to, and, and perhaps you need to see it in the New King James: Where there is no revelation where there's no revelation of God's divine instruction and purpose in your life, the people cast off restraint. Have you ever seen someone with no boundaries in their life? Someone searching for purpose, searching for meaning. They go from this thing to the next thing. They have enrolled in every multi-level marketing business plan on the planet. They tried to sell you toilet paper and oil and juice. (laughs) God bless you if that's you. What I notice is, is when people have no vision, no no sense Of God speaking to them. No sense of what's the word on my life. They're just people wandering aimlessly. They're going here and there, not having any idea. Notice what it says. It says, happy is he that keeps the law. That word law means instruction. That means when God gives you instruction on your life, that word happy is also blessed. It means you're blessed when you have a sense of the reign of my life is aiming me toward God's purpose. But what happened? Samson's life was robbed of vision. So something started to die. And you may be here today thinking, man, I I can identify with Samson. I broke a lot of promises to God. And I feel like Part of that vision I originally had to do something awesome for God has died. I got some good news for you. I love the word of God. Samson was wounded, but God was not finished with him. And I don't know if you've come here. To just come to a good service, but I know I have come here to deliver this word for somebody in this house on this day. You may have been wounded by your own bad decisions, but I am here to declare to you that God is not through with you yet. He is not finished with you, no matter how you feel, no matter how wounded you are. Here's where you find grace in Samson's life. It's in verse 22. I love this. However, the hair on his head began to grow again. However, the hair on his head began to grow again. You know, one of the most fascinating things about being in the pandemic is watching its strange influence on people who are always in front of cameras, namely politicians. Remember we were closing the country for two weeks and that would be it and we'd all be back together and living life. A short time after that, one thing was really strange that happened. To me, it was just bizarre. They outlawed haircuts. Anybody remember that? They had a lot of haircuts. And because politicians are the ones determining all those things, I noticed those people getting so shaggy. I noticed some, I was like, oh man, somebody needs some bootleg clippers. And everybody's hair was growing, and everybody who, who usually would look so polished to deliver whatever mantra they would happen to be delivering, they were not polished at all. Most of them looked run over. It's terrible. They're trying to abide by their own rules. That was their rules. I was going to find me a friend who could uh, help me out. And I want to say this to you. In many ways, that's what the church was experiencing too. There were a lot of things the church was relying on. Perhaps looking really good. Looking really put together. And God moved all of that stuff. Turned the whole world upside down. No one allowed to gather. Everybody was staying at home and Everybody is told, don't talk to another to, to each other. Other states were saying, if you do go to church, don't you dare sing. That's the truth. And I want to I tell you that much in the same way that Samson experienced grace in a moment after his head had been shaved, I think the church started to experience a new level of grace in 2020 and 2021 because God removed the things that the church was relying on just to look good on the exterior. And he says, how about I remove all of that and we get back down to basics? Why don't we get back to prayer? Why don't we get back to seeking the face of God? Why don't we start living for the The presence of God. Because what we found out is all that we had been relying on in the past was not enough. But God's grace in a moment where everybody thought everything was falling apart. The church's hair started to grow again. The church that said, oh, I'm going to pray. I'm going to figure out what's really important in this hour. I may not be able to go to work. Oh, but I can get back in the prayer closet. I may not be able to, they may not have everything that I want at the grocery store. But, oh, I can fast and seek the face of God. I can begin to say, oh, God, let your grace start to grow something in me. That the other world, it looks to them like I'm judged. But I'm here to tell you right now. The grace of God has fallen on the church. And I see an hour where there's been a wounded people, but your hair's starting to grow back. You know, there's, a, there's something coming. There's God's working in the background. There is the goodness of God that's showing up when others said, No, that's just the judgment. I say it's His righteous grace. you may be so wounded right now and going through a very tough time. And all you've been relying on may have dried up. But I'm here to announce to you, you've just stepped into a season where you're going to grow. You're going to grow. Let's look at what Samson's restoration looks like. Judges 16, 28. It says this, Samson called to the Lord and said, O Lord, God, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray, just this once, O God, that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines, For my two eyes. First thing that you need to know about this time of restoration is this. Samson cried out to God. I tell you what, if there has been one thing that's been restored to the church, it is her original identity. When Jesus said in a moment when he had turned the tables upside down in Jerusalem, he said, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nation. And once again, the church is beginning to cry out to God. The people are beginning to cry out to God. Samson here called to the Lord why did he call to the Lord i got a new testament answer for you romans 10:13 says this whoever calls on the name of the lord shall be saved Oh, I love this word saved. That's not only talking about the beauty of the salvation that we receive by grace through faith, escaping the penalty of sin. That is not only talking about that. This is talking about the, the sozo in Greek. It is God's deliverance. It is God's rescuing. It is God's healing. It is him forgiving you fully and finally. So when you call on the name of Jesus, you will be rescued. And let me give you this statement. If you have come to a place where there's no vision in your life, or you're wounded from your past, or you're a slave to sin, cry out to the Lord and salvation will come to you it will come to you you say i'm so i'm so wounded why why would he listen isaiah 53 tells us why would why would god have compassion on the wounded isaiah 53 says that he was wounded for our transgression he was bruised for our iniquities, the, the chastisement for our peace. Securing our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. We have to realize as a people and that one that has been wounded by our choices, by our sin, by our brokenness, that we can call on one who was wounded for us and he will grant to us a rescue and deliverance and salvation, which we could but never earn. Call on the Lord. Samson. Call on the Lord wounded. Call on the Lord those with no vision. Call on the Lord those with pain. Call on the Lord. The second thing that you need to know is that Samson cried to be Remembered. He said this, oh Lord, remember me. Now listen at first glance. Now this word is translated about 147 times uh, in the scriptures, remember. That's what it means to us. Have you ever been someplace though where you are not normally and you run into a person that you know from your hometown? There was a time where I was taking a group of young people uh, to a ministry trip. I was in the Dulles Airport outside of, it's in Baltimore. I had never been to Baltimore. We had a long layover. We actually left, went and got something to eat, come back, and now we're waiting for our planes. So what did we do? We had some guitars. We pulled out. We started worshiping there in the Dulles Airport. And then suddenly, right where we were, someone walked up to us from this church who had been worshiping with us here. And they said... Oh. They recognized us. They recognized me. They said what are you doing here? I'm like, what are you doing here? Well, it turned out to be one of those God moments that only he could orchestrate where there was a real need that was happening in her life. We laid hands on her and prayed for her as she was traveling to another location to deal with this thing that was going on in her life. Let me tell you, that moment... Where she turned and looked and saw someone familiar is what this word remember means in Hebrew. It means this Mark me as one you recognize. Mark me, God, as one you recognize. So when I lift my voice, you go, that's my boy. Mark me like I'm the clay, you're the potter. Put your fingerprints on my life. So when you hear my voice, I'm marked as one you recognize. I believe the church today who has wounded those in this place today have been going through some things you broke some promises here's what you need to pray God mark my life as one you recognize mark my life in a way that says it is impossible to ignore the fingerprints of grace the fingerprints of mercy on that life it's impossible to ignore them mark my life it's the way that Abraham prayed when when God was passing by he's going to investigate Sodom and Gomorrah uh, you know Abraham is in the tent in the heat of the day he's awake and he sees God has this encounter with God. And Abraham cries this out in Genesis 18, 3. My Lord, if I have now found favor in your sight, do not pass on by your servant. I believe that God is raising up a people. When God is moving, you may be wounded. You may be hurt. You may have broken promises to God. You may have felt like, man, would God ever restore me? I'm telling you, let me put a prayer on your life. God, mark me and don't pass me by. Mark me as one you recognize And when you're moving And when you're near God Stay a little while Come and move in my life The last thing that Samson did In this moment of restoration That I think we could all learn from Is that he cried out for strength He said strengthen me I pray Just this once Strengthen me I pray pray one more time. Now, if you're not familiar with the story, you would think that Samson is simply asking for strength. I mean, at first glance, that's what this looks like, except you find out that there was a day When a lion came out of the woods and the spirit of the Lord came on Samson and he grabbed the lion and tore it in two. And you find again and again and again in Samson's life, in moments of great victory, it says this. And the spirit of the Lord came on Samson. Now, where we have been ruined, even at uh, Christian's attempts at Hollywood, is every time we cast the character of, of Samson, he looks like the Incredible Hulk. I've got news for you. Samson's Jewish. He's probably a smaller guy. His strength had nothing to do with muscles. you you got to abandon that idea. That's not in the scriptures anywhere. Not anywhere. It says this, that he could break these cords that he was bound with when the Spirit of the Lord came on him. Church, sometimes when you're wounded... What you need to ask for is a fresh encounter with the Holy Spirit. What you need that will carry you through the moment that you're facing is a fresh encounter with God's presence. Samson was asking for something specific. It was God's presence. Notice what it says in Judges sixteen twenty. It says, Delilah says, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he awoke from his sleep and he said, I will go out as before at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. Listen, there are a lot of scary verses in the Bible, but none more more terrifying than this. The idea that God would actually Remove his presence from someone who was called, anointed from birth, used of God, now has broken everything. And notice what he said. I will get up and shake myself free as I have done in the past. Let me just tell you, pride will make you weak. Pride will make you weak but he did not know that the spirit had departed him here's the scariest thing i believe that there are churches that will meet week after week and they think they're doing the right thing it's just kind of going through the motions kind of just stepping through you know that hey we've been we've been handed this shape we've been handed this kind of worship we've been handed this okay you know what and all along they don't know god's not He didn't know. But once he recognized that God's Spirit had left, listen to me, he knew what he needed to do. God, send me your presence, send me your Holy Spirit. Lord, once again, would you pour out your spirit on me? And then he received strength. He knew now God's presence was the source of his strength. And our effectiveness in this hour is directly connected to God's presence in our life. You may have been robbed by the enemy, you may have come into this place wounded by the enemy. Wounded perhaps by your own decisions. But you can determine from this moment on, I'm going to be effective more effective than I than I was before I walked into this. Did you know that you can actually decide to walk with the Spirit? Did you know that Romans 8 says you can set your mind on the what the Spirit desires? Did you know that you could do that? It's not just by chance. Well, if God wants to do that through my life, he can. No, no, no. He's saying, Samson, in your wounding, set your mind on what the Spirit desires. I'll anoint you. I'll come to you, and you'll be more effective effective in your last days than you were in your first days. You say, what what unlocks it? This prayer. One more time. One more time, God. Oh, one more time, let me know your presence, God. One more time. Pour out your spirit in my life one more time. This is the prayer for those in here who are not right with God. Those who would like to make that decision to receive the free gift of what Jesus supplied on the cross. Listen, that is our cry that we would say, Lord, let me receive by grace through faith the gift of salvation. But then there is also the cry of the church who has broken every promise, who has failed in every way. Oh God, one more time. One more time, pour your spirit out on me so that I live the rest of my days in in greater synchronicity with your spirit and your will for my life. If you'll do that, I'm telling you, vision will return. He'll heal the wound and he'll use your life in power.